Well, good evening, and welcome today's to today's daily devotion. Um, it's kind of late in the day for a devotion, but uh, this will get you started and looking forward to our devotion for tomorrow. So, today's Thursday. It is the 24th of March, and the title of today's devotion is God Angry at Sin. Psalm 79 is where we're at. We're working our way through this psalm. We've made it down to verse number 5, and we're going to be looking at verses number 5 through 8 this evening. Let's look at uh, verse number 5. Let's start there. Psalm 79, verse 5 says, O Lord, how long will you be angry with us? Forever? How long will your jealousy burn like fire? Let's pause here for just a few moments. The the author here acknowledges that it's the Lord's anger that has provoked or allowed the disaster that's come upon the nation uh, and the people that the author has described in the first four verses of this psalm. But I wonder, as I was reading this psalm earlier and studying through this and just praying over this before I clicked on the recording button here, I was wondering, is the right question being asked here? How long will you be angry, God? Is that the right question? Or maybe should, maybe the question should be, why are you angry, God? I don't know. What is the writer saying here? Sometimes I think, and this is where I was thinking about this and where the Holy Spirit was leading me when I was praying about this. Sometimes I think we we, we don't get the answer we're looking for from God, uh, sometimes because we don't like it, but maybe sometimes it's because we're asking the wrong questions. Here, the writer acknowledges that it's, it's God's doing. What's, what's happened to them, the Babylonians has invaded the nation of Israel. They're destroying. There's innocent blood that's being shed all around and in the temple. Um so the, the, the writer is acknowledging that it, it's God that's allowing this to happen. Um, it's not necessarily God doing it, but he's allowed the Babylonians to come in and invade uh, because God's a jealous God. He doesn't want us to have any other gods before him, let alone alongside of him. And this is what the nation of Israel has done. If you read all those parallel passages that I gave you uh, yesterday, you'll find out that um, they had been worshiping Molech and they had been worshiping the, the, the gods of the Canaanites and, and God warned them, but they still wouldn't repent and turn back to him. The Bible is <clears throat> full of these warnings that God gave to the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 34, verse number 14. Um, the Bible says for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4.24, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Even the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 42.8, the Lord spoke through the prophet and said, I am the Lord and that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. So the question seems here kind of misleading maybe. Uh, if the writer knows it's God, that has allowed this disaster to come, then he would obviously know why it is happening, right? 
Let's read on verse number six, pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you on kingdoms that do not call upon your name. Now, wait a minute. Israel had acknowledged, or at least the writer had acknowledged that God is their God, but they have also allowed other gods to come in and they've been worshiping them as well. But this is why the nation is in a situation here they're in because they haven't acknowledged God as their one and only God. They've they've refused to call on Jehovah and Jehovah only. So what's going on here? Why this questioning? Why this wording in verse number six? I I have several things that I thought thought about, but I think I only have time for a couple of them here. And this the couple of that I'm going to mention kind of pertains to our lives as we worship the Lord. Uh, maybe the writer is saying this because he thinks God's grace should outweigh the people's sins, meaning God should not punish them for the sin for their sins since He's so graceful and full of grace and full of mercy. Why would a good God punish them for the sins that they've committed? Now, I believe this is a normal, um, I don't know if the word to use normal is right. Um, um, I guess the word, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Um, this is something that happens. This is a normal misconception of the church of today. Um, uh, you know, the church of today believes that we're living in a time of grace and, and we are, but there's is there only so much grace that God can hand out? Uh, well, I mean, God's grace, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I'll probably get a lot of emails about just saying that phrase. God's grace is bigger than any sin that we might commit. And I, and I know that, but what I'm talking about here and what I'm, what I'm saying is when, when people know when believers, when God's people continue to commit sin and they refuse to repent. And, re- and remember, repentance is turning away from the sin. And when they, when they refuse to repent and turn away from the sin, or when they blatantly sin, like when they know God's word and they knew that God said, do not worship idols, yet they did anyway. And, and they interpret God's way in a way where they change it to conform it to their life or in our day and time to their lifestyle then God is not held at his command or his covenant to distribute grace to us when we are the ones who've turned away from his commands and run away from his commands that he's given us. Does that make sense? You you know what I'm saying with his grace here? Is his grace sufficient for us? Yes, but I don't think this has to do with grace I think it has to do with us knowing what is right and then being obedient. Hmm. Second thing that may be happening here, maybe the hurt, maybe the writer's hurt and confused. Maybe he's, maybe he has a problem with being punished for the sins that the nation is committing, but he's not committing those sins. I mean, he's, maybe he's been faithful to God's word and faithful to God's commands, but the rest of the country, the rest of the nation is committing sin. And his question is maybe, why should I be punished 
for the sins of the nation? And I can understand this question. If, if that's it, I can understand it. I mean, it's not fair that the righteous should have to suffer the consequences, consequences of the rest of the nation turning away from God, should they? But you see, herein lies the issue with sin and non-repentant or unrepentant sin. See, the problem is, is this is how come God doesn't want us to have anything to do with sin. That's why he gave us the commandments to follow. Because living out his commands, applying his word to our lives, that's where we truly have life and life more abundantly. And when we turn away from those commandments, sin doesn't just affect the person that is committing the sin. It affects everyone around them. That's why sin is so, so dangerous. Verse seven points this out for they have devoured your people. The enemy has devoured the people. That's what sin does. It devours people. And the, the, the writer here says it's making the land a desolate wilderness. That's what sin does. It makes us desolate. It makes us a wilderness. Nothing can grow where sin is unrepented. Then at the end here, in verse number eight, the author makes this request. This is what I've been saying all the way through, and it makes what I've been saying a little bit clearer. Verse number eight, don't hold us guilty for the sins of our ancestors. Let your compassion quickly meet our needs, for we we are on the brink of disaster. My prayer for you tonight for you, for me, for the world, for the the church at large, is that we will that we will read, that we will understand more and more the power of God's grace in our lives, that we will understand more the power of God's love for us in our lives, so that we will learn to lean on Him and to follow His commands all the time. This is God. He's angry at sin, not at the people, but at the sin. And judgment does come for sin. Heavenly Father, help us today, God, to follow after your commands. Help us to learn to lean on your word and your love and your grace, Lord, is sufficient for all of our sins that we ever have or ever will commit. But God, help us to have a repentant heart to follow after you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for joining me this evening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. And Lord willing, I will see you, I guess I should say, sometime tomorrow. Maybe not in the morning, but sometime tomorrow, right? God bless you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. And uh, remember, I'm praying for you. God bless you. Have a great evening.